Welcome to the Health and Wellness Show on the SOT Radio Network, where we expose the lies and emphasize the truth about health in our modern world. Welcome, everybody. Today is April 20th, 2015. Uh, my name is Jonathan. I'll be your host for today. Joining me in our virtual studio from all across the planet, we have Doug, Tiffany, Erica, and Gabby, and our special guest today, Larry. Um, so just to uh, just to start off, um, to tell you what we're going to talk about today, uh, <clears throat> over the past we've spoken quite extensively about diet, uh, different kinds of toxic exposure, psychological health, um, many aspects of health and wellness, and uh, today we're kind of naturally leading into speaking about another important area of health, which is EMF exposure. And uh, as we were talking before the show, there are uh, four pillars of optimum health that include diet, psychological health, toxic exposure, and the EMF. And uh, all four of those pillars are necessary for optim optimum health, for managing your exposure and uh, how you deal with those different pillars. They can all act as stressors to your system, uh, and they can uh, cross-interact with each other, uh, and the effects can be compounded. Um, so, you know, if you have a, a poor diet and you're exposed to a lot of EMF, those effects can compound each other. Um, they can cause metabolic stress, uh, damage to the cells, damage to the DNA, and which, you know, when your body is out of balance can result in, um, in uh, poor psychological health as well. It can make it hard to think, make it hard to think clearly, and thus, you know, make it through your day-to-day. So that's our topic today, for today is EMF exposure, and our guest is uh, Larry Bowers. Um, just a quick bio, uh, Larry graduated BSEE in 1978 uh, in electrical engineering from Florida Institute of Technology. He worked for Harris Corp, E-Systems in the ECI division, and Lockheed Martin Denver Aerospace. Uh, his interest in work experience include electromagnetic field theory, EM scattering and propagation, antenna design and development, adaptive antenna systems, systems design, receivers, digital signal processing, satellite system design, and satellite architecture design. So Larry has quite an impressive uh, portfolio of knowledge, and he's here to share that with us today um, and talk about what are the different uh, uh, downsides, the different things you need to be aware of uh, regarding EMF exposure in our modern society because it's just everywhere. So uh, Larry, let's go to you for a minute. Would you mind... Just uh, in your own words, tell us uh, why you've continued. You know, obviously your career has focused on these topics, but why have you continued in your retirement to be interested in this and in, in its uh, relation to health? Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, hi to everybody and hi to all the listeners out there. Uh, the, uh, a lot of the interest uh, was, was uh, associated with health in general. And uh, once I began uh, researching the area, uh, and this was this was, this was uh, quite a few years after I had retired, and I spent a fair amount of time to write. I was actually writing an article for the uh, uh, Doc Connector magazine, and uh, the uh, it took quite a bit of research to go through all the uh, the good papers out there, and I learned an awful lot that I didn't know in the first place, and uh, that's what led to uh, you know continued work in the area, and of course I had the good background to, to deal with it and understand the underlying physics uh, behind a lot of the EMF itself. So that's, uh, just in a nutshell, that's <clears throat> pretty much, uh, you know, what got me to this place right now. Awesome. 
Well, we're really excited to, to hear some of the more in-depth knowledge about this stuff. I guess let's let's start out by talking about the differences um, between natural EMF, uh, background sources of EMF, and, and man-made EMF, because uh, you did say in your article there are some natural sources, um, you know, from the cosmos, from the sun, from the planet itself. What is the major difference between these two sources, man-made and natural? Okay, well... Uh, <clears throat> You know, everybody has probably heard in one form or another about the, the Schumann resonances. And these are <clears throat> resonances in our electric and magnetic fields. They're associated with the Earth. And they're powered, uh, you know, by the uh, <clears throat> charge difference between the, uh, uh, the ionosphere and the grounds and all the air in between and by the sun. So you're getting a, a tremendous amount of ions that are coming off the sun, both positive and negative. And then these are interacting with our magnetic field, and they're also uh, producing uh, various different currents to ground via uh, electrical discharge. And that could be cloud to cloud or cloud to ground. And all of these discharges end up exciting what you what we refer to as the Earth ionosphere waveguide. And that waveguide is just the the charged layer of the ionosphere and the, uh, the one boundary, and the second boundary is the ground of the Earth. And in between that, we have the air, and that waveguide, uh, because of its particular size and distance between the two spherical plates, if you want to think about it that way, that distance is what allows certain electromagnetic modes to resonate. So when you excite that uh, via a, uh, a sharp electrical discharge, then you get a ringing in a sense, and that ringing are the, is the Schumann resonances that are associated with our particular Earth and ionosphere. And all the planets will have something similar, but they'll be in different parts of the spectrum. And what's really interesting is uh, to begin to you know kind of understand uh, where we fit in this picture as in terms of life on the planet is that if you were to take an EEG reading of, uh, you know, from your brain and just plot it out over time, uh, you would see it looks very, very similar to the same thing if you did a, uh, a measurement of the magnetic field that is induced uh, and part of the Schumann, Schumann resonances. Okay, so uh, I could just hold up a coil and then I can measure the, uh, the electromagnetic spectrum that I'm actually seeing induced in that coil uh, in the air. And then compare if you compare that to your EEG, you'll find that you can't hardly tell a difference between those waveforms. And that is because the uh, range of those resonances, the Schumann resonances, from about 7.8 hertz and also uh, lower all the way up to about 45 hertz, it happens to be the same range as our own EEGs from our brain. So this leads, of course, to, to thinking uh, that, you know, we've uh, our, our bodies have been on this planet for a very long time, uh, ancestrally, and the uh, Earth has probably had this kind of uh, a field interaction for possibly billions of years. So there is something connected right here to supporting our... Uh, life form, as well as many other uh, animals on the planet. And uh, those kinds of things are hard to ignore. They first they stand out to you and say, well, 
a natural EMF is, is very much uh, associated with our own brain waves. So that so, leads you to think to thinking that if you're if you're uh, uh, masking that by any other means or interfering with it, you may be interfering with the functions uh, of the uh, our function metabol- metabolic functions of, of humans. So the natural EMF that comes from the cosmos is normal and healthy in the way human beings are supposed to live. So yes. what's what's the man-made EMF? Like what are all the things that are included in that? Well, before I before we get to that, uh, let me just say that uh, we we know that that if you get to serious deviations from that natural EMF human resonance type of waveform that we're used to having, and this occurs during uh, severe uh, sun behavior, uh, big storms, so on and so forth, we get deviations in the in these fields. So if you want to think about it, you get deviations in the brain waves of the planet. And those affect us, and they have. There's a, lots of scientific studies out there that show that you've got an increase in depression, suicide. There's there's also uh, um, a lot of uh, metabolic effects. There's things that vary uh, blood pressure. Uh, so they they have a direct effect on humans in their own behavior, and uh, so this is this is very interesting. Very interesting in terms of of uh, just what that natural EMF is and the variations. Now. To get to your question, Tiff, when you when you begin to move into the other forms of EMF that are man-made, we're talking about uh, you know tremendous you know, numbers of, of uh, magnitudes of uh, of actual uh, magnitude that is increased above and beyond what that natural EMF has been in the in the past, and this has only been over the last uh, 130 years or so that we've had anything like this. So if you picture, you know, hundreds of thousands of years to millions, <clears throat> possibly billions, uh, the uh, our life form uh, as it's uh, developed over that time period in these bodies has only just in the last 130 years seen this kind of electromagnetic interference coming from our grid, our home grid, from uh, wireless communications, cell phones, of course, all those things fall in that category in electric and magnetic fields that are associated with our environment now that never used to be there. So we're talking about a serious impact, potentially, in terms of our health. And uh, there's many studies now that, uh, that show we, we indeed do have these things happening now in all these categories, and I'm sure we'll get into each and every one of these. But uh, one of the one of the theories behind what this is doing is you, one way to look at it is that this is ask, actually masking the healthy natural background EMS that we were uh, constantly living in. Uh, for example, uh, many animals and many bacteria have got, are very sensitive to the Earth's magnetic field, and they're able to uh, adjust their behavior, their movements, and so on and so forth with the magnetic field. Birds are obvi- an obvious example. Uh, cows, for example, if they, uh, many cows and deer will tend to rest on the ground when they lie down by aligning their bodies north and south. But under, we, we do also know that those same animals, if they're in the vicinity of power lines, cannot do that. 
they end up, uh, you know, resting in arbitrary random positions, and they've lost that capability to sense the natural background. But, uh, you know, this is probably the case happening with whether or not it's a masking function or straight interference with DNA, with the metabolic functions of the human, uh, we don't know how, exactly how to characterize the negative effects, but we do know they exist. So, Larry, what that, are some that, of the... Uh, oh, I was, I was just going to say, what what are some of the, the, the consequences of, of kind of being in this environment to, uh, for human beings? Well, the biggest consequence for any of these effects is uh, a uh, deterioration in metabolic function. But this, this is the same effect that we see uh, with uh, toxic exposure. If, you, if you've got, uh, you know, toxins, pesticides, whatever the, the uh, problem may be, and that also is, is mirrored in diets, all right? So if you've got a, a diet that's extremely deficient, let's say the standard American diet, then you have the same kinds of metabolic problems that occur as well as immune deficiency. So it's the same kind of things across the board. That's why I think your your introduction is the the, the four pillars of health, uh, EMF rates right up there next to the others because you've got the same kind of effects. And probably one thing we should say at the outset that is most important is is that, I mean, if we talk about these effects on adults, that's one thing. But the effects on growing children are far worse and they're devastating potentially to the, their lives in uh, once they reach adulthood. So it's extremely mm-hmm. important in all three areas, you know, the toxic, toxic uh, exposure, EMF, and diet, to work all these things together as best you can for your children because they are the most vulnerable, and the reason is is that their, their cells are uh, dividing like crazy. They're growing. They're developing. They're all their uh, different... Uh, Metabolic systems are uh, coming up to uh, speed, uh, and these are these are the things that you just cannot afford uh, to have, you know, interfered with in uh, development. Humans, you know, once you're an adult, you can take a lot of this stuff and and, and some uh, tremendous abuse. But uh, unfortunately, that you know, it's extremely important for children, and that's why uh, Barry Trower is very correct in terms of getting children out of the environment of Wi-Fi, get the Wi-Fi out of the schools, get the Wi-Fi out of your home, and uh, the children's environment needs to, to really be uh, uh, observed carefully and taken care of uh, so that we, uh, we have the best chance for uh, healthy development. Larry, I have a question. You know, there is, is there research to suggest that EMS is toxic to our metabolism, our bodies, and that this is an independent factor from toxic diet, for example, that is there really an effect that uh, that has been studied on living organisms by, by electromagnetic fields or artificial ones? Uh, see that last part again, Gabby, I, I missed that. Yeah, I want to know if there is research to suggest that, you know, electromagnetic fields uh, have adverse effects on living organisms and that we could be relatively sure it is that and not toxic diet, for example. 
Yeah, uh, there, there are a lot of studies that have been done that, that, that make it uh, uh, undeniable. Uh, the, the problem is, you, may, you bring up a real good point. Uh, the, the problem is that um, when you have uh, people that are exposed to all these different kinds of EMF, it's very, very difficult to find a control group that uh, does not have exposure uh, to any one kind so that you can treat them as, as a uh, control group for a study of people that do. Uh, for example, let's say you, you actually were able to find uh, a group of people who had uh, no exposure to cell phones. They never owned one, and uh, they're rarely around people that have them, and so on and so forth, and you call them the control group. Well, what what's... What happens if, if uh, you know, a half that group is living in a home grid electrified environment that has extremely high grid noise? So they're exposed to EM, that source of EMF, and you're trying to study cell phones, <clears throat> and your study is completely and totally polluted <clears throat> with the fact that their, their exposure to EMF in general is still high. So it becomes mm -hmm. almost impossible to actually determine what the effect of any one of these sources may be, because everybody is exposed now, and everybody is exposed to essentially every one of them, only to, to, to varying degrees. So that's one level of interference that makes it very difficult to do anything about. The other is these, you know, these pillars of health we talked about that Jonathan uh, introduced, and that is, you know, if you're going to if you're going to study EMS. How do you make sure that your control is, is not suffering from, uh, from uh, uh, chronic uh, uh, exposure to toxins or is suffering an extremely bad diet? So, mm -hmm. that, again, all these things produce effects that are very similar in terms of the metabolic function. So it's very, very difficult to even do one of these studies and determine for sure what you, what you have going on. But there are there are a few that do, and there is uh, there one of them, for example, was a study in in Bavaria, a small town there where uh, there's some Prussian doctors and some uh, some good researchers got together before the planned installation of a cell tower that would illuminate their valley, and they decided that hey, well, before they, we do this, we're going, we're going to go out here and study. Uh, the population in general, talk to the doctors, you know, uh, look at all the complaints, chronic and, and otherwise, uh, before <clears throat> and get all the stats before they put the cell tower in. Then a year and a half after the cell tower went up, they went and redid it, along with measuring the power density from the cell phone tower at each and every one of these people's homes. And that was a very definitive result that showed a drastic increase and all the things associated with EMF from depression, headaches, uh, lethargy, you know, all the things that, uh, that we, some, we actually do associate with, uh, with poor diet and toxic exposure. So uh, that, was, that was one very good study. Uh, but uh, a fellow by the name of Millam uh, recognized this problem right up front a long time ago. And he decided that the only way to really answer this question is not with any studies you can do today because everybody is already polluted with everything. Uh, he decided to go back to the records, uh, census records on life 
uh, and, and death, uh, rural and urban America back from the 19, early 1900s all the way up through 1960s, into the 70s. Mm-hmm. And so he looked at mortality and the, uh, and the difference between rural America electrification and, uh, and the uh, uh, urban electrification, and he found that there was a significant correlation with getting electrified. That is, simply putting the grid in the home and he found a very good correlation with the uh, with much higher death rates due to the things we associate with uh, metabolic disease. And some of those were uh, there was a much higher rate of uh, in the urban uh, deaths in 1940 uh, in suicide, diabetes, coronary disease, heart other heart disease, cancers. And uh, it's, and then just as a check, he did motor vehicles, and motor vehicles was about the same. Well, that's what you would expect. Roughly, the motor vehicle death rate uh, by people or by population is going to be about the same in rural as it would be in urban. So he showed pretty conclusively, uh, at least to me, that uh, that early electri- electri- electrification and that and the resulting noise that was on that grid that people were were exposed to before there were cell phones before there were televisions before there was a whole lot in the way of uh, any any kind of communications uh, signals uh back during those one clear those uh, times it became clear that electrification all by itself had a very serious component to excess deaths uh due to exposure so uh, I consider his work initially as, as being the, the best to being able to try to sort out whether or not uh, there's a EMS signal in the uh, disease and, and death rates associated with people today. We know it's there. It's awfully hard to, to pull that out and then point a finger at it and say it's this much. It's almost impossible sure. now to do that with, with anything. So that that was a that was a real good question, Gabby, and, and uh um there are more studies like this. There are studies with animals that uh, show the same kind of behavior and same kind of activity of of uh uh the effect on their health and also their mental well being. They get agitated, they're difficult to control, um, many things like that. In fact, um the incidence of, of human symptoms, uh, which I, I already went through, irritability, headache, poor sleep, depression, sickness, dizziness, digestive problems, concentration problems, loss of memory, hearing disturbance, sight disturbance, and skin problems are all closely related to what's, uh, what, the, what they're able to observe in animal populations that are also uh, subject to uh, EMF from power lines. Uh, if you notice, uh, our power lines running out through the rural area over long distances, they, they very often cross uh, very large animal pastures and farms and all people's houses, for that matter. But uh, you've got uh, an- the uh, animal behavior uh, incidents in the categories of nervousness, hesitation, inconsistent yield, reduced drinking, loss of weight, slow growth, and aggression. Okay, these are all shown also in another study to increase in the vicinity of high-capacity power lines. 
Mm-hmm. So it's it's really the, the same thing with with animals as with humans, and uh, I would extend that to uh, single cell bacteria, uh, all the way from there up through plants and various other kinds of animals, including insects. Mm-hmm. So we we do know that you know this affects life in general, and it makes sense that you know, some of these problems would be associated with the interference and the masking of what was uh, before, you know, 120, 120, 130 years ago was the natural background for billions of years. Hmm. So, you know, it's it's not really surprising considering the, the EMS environment we have created in, in 130 years uh, that we wouldn't be having all kinds of problems uh, across the entire spectrum of life. And indeed, yeah. I think we do. Larry, I'm interested that you brought up uh, high-capacity power lines. I wanted to ask, based on your experience, what what, is, what do you think is the difference or the difference in uh, negative effects would be on someone who, say, lives underneath or near high-capacity power lines versus living, say, near a cluster of cell phone towers? Is there a drastic difference? Are they reasonably the same? Well... <clears throat> They can be just as bad as each other. Uh, you have different mechanisms uh, electrically that are going on. If you're underneath a power line <clears throat> or anywhere near it, so within, say, 100 yards or 200 yards, uh, you've got very strong electric and magnetic fields. <clears throat> I mean, we know this because, uh, you know, if you go out to a high-capacity power line and hold up a, uh, a neon tube vertically, uh, you'll get it to light up. You know, because of the electric field oh. volts per meter is enough across that three-foot tube to actually turn on the light. Jeez. So that certainly indicates the electric field is high. The magnetic field is high because <clears throat> when you carry, you know, a 400 kilovolts, you can't put the wires together like we're used to seeing in all of our appliances and home wiring and stuff like that. The wires, if you were to put them that close together, you would you would ionize the air between them, you would arc over, and you'd have a short. So they, they, they have to separate the, the hot and the neutral line uh, by a very, very large amount. So that's yeah, why you see, uh, you know, two big wires hanging low, and, and they're, they're 50 feet between them. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's the reason for that is, is because you can't put them together that close at high voltage. So uh, the problem is the current is going one direction in, uh, along one wire and one direction in the back in the other direction on the other wire. And since those currents are separated from each other, their field, their magnetic fields, do not, do not cancel. And so you end up with very high magnetic fields underneath. So that's part of the story. Then the other part of the story is those fields also carry high-frequency noise that is on the line. So, although, you know, the the, uh, the power leaves the power plant very clean, 60 or 50 hertz, depending on where you're at, uh, you're going to have a certain amount of noise on there based on the uh, use of that power by machinery down the line, by, you know, it, there's many different sources. <clears throat> so, you can have <clears throat> noise and a high-frequency noise, and again, this is a key element here, okay? When you're talking to EMF, we're talking about high-frequency noise, all right, bandwidth. So those are, those are the things you need to keep in your mind when you're thinking about threats from the EMF. 
the single frequency tone at 50 or 60 hertz is not going to be an issue for, for uh, health uh, in, in most uh, instances. It's the noise that is on that, the high frequency noise that is carried by the field to anyone in the vicinity of those power lines. So if you're in the vicinity of those power lines, you are getting <clears throat> a tremendous amount <clears throat> of uh, uh, noise exposure. <clears throat> and that noise at high frequencies does not ride on the surface of your skin. At low frequencies, it rides on the surface of your skin. The electrical field does. And uh, that that's no problem as it finds its way to ground. Uh, no big deal. It can ride all on your skin all all at once. But the higher frequency noise components above two kilohertz penetrate flesh, and then hmm. those you may think it's all small and minute. But the thing is, is, is that the electrical potentials in the mitochondria of your cells operate on them a very small amount of voltage, you know, to maintain the chemical reactions and keep ions moving in the direction they need to be moving so that you can generate energy in your life. And you begin to interfere with this process, this metabolic energy process, at the very smallest level of your cell. Hmm. And when you begin to do that, you, you open the door for all manner of metabolic disease, whether it's cancer, diabetes, you know, uh, immune system dysfunction, adrenal uh, issues, all these things follow on from these very basic uh, interferences with your cell metabolism. So, <clears throat> so you've well, got... Larry. Yeah. Larry, I had a question. You had mentioned Barry Trower before. Um, he's that yeah. retired British military intelligence guy. Um he said something in one of his interviews about um, you were speaking about uh, like damage at the cellular level. Um, he said something about how uh, low-level microwave radiation, for instance, if there's a young girl who uses a laptop or is in a school classroom with Wi-Fi during all of her school years, and this essentially kind of microwaves her ovaries and damages her mitochondrial DNA, and then she can grow up and have a baby and pass on that mitochondrial damage to her daughter, and then her daughter can pass it down to her daughter. Can you kind of um, elaborate on that? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that <clears throat> that kind of effect can occur. Uh, mm -hmm. <clears throat> one thing about Barry is uh, <clears throat> when he uses the term microwave, yeah. Uh, he doesn't. He, he doesn't uh, discriminate very much in in the area of bandwidth, and I am going to do that because uh -huh. as an RF engineer, uh, I do know the difference. And uh, if you, if you're talking about high bandwidth signals like Wi-Fi, then yes, this is the kind of stuff that can have uh, great interference with uh, not only DNA but the metabolic functions. Okay, so so. Uh, if you had a perfect sine wave, uh, you're not going to have anywhere near the kind of effect that you would have if you have this high-frequency uh, noise-appearing, high-bandwidth kind of uh, uh, signal. So uh, I would modulate uh, some of what Barry has said by uh, changing the word he uses uh, very often from microwave to, uh -huh. uh, to high-bandwidth microwave signal. You see what I'm saying? Okay. 
it's not just the, you know, part of the, the, the problem is not just the fact that the uh, you've got this wireless signal, but mm-hmm. it's, the na- it's the nature of the, the signal in terms of its pulsed uh, characteristics, which are what give it bandwidth. So is there a difference, like when you say pulse, does that mean the signal stops and starts versus a signal that's just steady? Is that what you mean? Yes. A signal okay. that stops and see all of your um all of your GSM signals, your cell phone signals, uh <clears throat> your Wi Fi, those are all pulse signals. And they're pulse because what they're doing is either uh, uh time division multiplexing or they're code division multiplexing, but they're sending they're sending codes, you know, information in the form of code that, that comes out in the form of pulses on the RF. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And it's that pulsing of the RF that is uh, far worse than if you just had a, a continuous wave, for example, AM modulated wave or a FM modulated wave. Uh, when you get into this this one uh, G, two G, three G, four G kind of stuff, you're talking about more and more bandwidth, the high and higher and higher rates of pulsing, and that spreads the energy out of the spectrum in a very large way. Mm-hmm. And that, it turns out, is far more damaging than just having a, even a higher power level with a very narrow bandwidth. So I'll give you an example. Um, you know, when, when I'm uh, when I was doing work with the uh, antenna ranges in various places over the over the, uh, the country, these antenna ranges they're they're measuring antennas and they do it uh, at CW at all the time because you want to know what the antenna pattern is at a given frequency. So you're not going to use a pulse waveform to test an antenna. Well, that, that means all the radiation is CW, like continuous wave, like you said. Mm-hmm. So there's less of a problem, and the engineers all know this, even though they, 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 they try to avoid any kind of exposure to it in the first place. But the exposure levels you know, to a CW signal, uh, in terms of the effects, are so much less than they are if you put bandwidth on that signal. So as soon as you start putting bandwidth on that signal and you start sending out Wi-Fi, 2G, 3G, you know, all that kind of signals there, cell phones, you're talking about stuff that is pulsed. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's kind of like um, parking yourself next to a military installation with high-power radar and uh, getting radiated by the beam of the radar. You know, this, this is just uh, not good. Mm-hmm. So the top offenders uh, are the pulsed ones. It will be Wi-Fi. It will be cell phones. Are there other ones that people should be aware? Oh yeah, certainly. One one of them is uh, is the uh, the worst one. The worst offender for people is going to be uh, the cordless uh, cell phones. Those have been shown to be you know extremely dangerous. Uh, and they, those are those are also really good examples of uh, effects on pets. There's uh, many anecdotal cases where uh, you know the uh, family pets have gotten sick, not to mention the people. They uh, they have have, uh, have removed the uh, the uh, cordless phones and the pets recover uh, pretty quickly. You mean the cordless so, landline phones? Yes. Yes. It has a deck. So, okay. 
The cordless landline phones are, are coming a couple of flavors. Uh, they used to be really low frequency at 900 megahertz, then they moved up to 2.4 gigahertz, and now they're up about 5.5 gigahertz. Mm. So they've gone up in, in center frequency, but the uh, they're, they're pulsing the environment entire all the time. Okay, there, there's a 100 hertz uh, pulse that goes on uh, of the carrier at, at all times for most of these phones. So it's not like the pulsing has gone away while uh, nobody's on the phone. It's, mm-hmm. it's pulsing and occurring at, at all times. So your environment, you know, is, is getting a a, a blast of high frequency noise from these this pulsing uh, at all times. It's the same thing with your cell phones. I mean, you may you may turn your cell phone off unless you put it in flight mode. Uh, you know, it's going to transmit, and it'll stay in touch with the with the base station and. Uh, It'll do perform all the functions. In fact, you know, obviously, I, I think it's clear to most people that, you know, if your phone is not in flight mode, it can be turned on and it can be downloaded, uh, adjusted. It can be made to transmit, uh, do anything uh, somebody else wants. So, you know, uh, that's why I tell people with cell phones is, is uh, keep them in flight mode, uh, you know, especially when they're in the home. Mm-hmm. So did I, did I understand that right, Larry? You're saying that the that cell phones, even when they're turned off, can still be uh, transmitting signal. Absolutely, yes. Uh, yeah, the the phone may be turned off, but it, it can still uh, access the base station and it can be uh, interrogated by the base station. Now, hmm. the only way you could ensure that it is not doing that, and this is this is by law because of what they did with the uh, with flights. You put it in flight mode, that's the only guarantee you have currently that it cannot be made to transmit. Hmm. So that's that's why I really, really do uh, recommend that people, uh, uh, if you, especially if you're not sure, uh, make sure that you, uh, you know, to put your phone in flight mode, especially if you're in the car. Because mm-hmm. when you're in the car, you're in a microwave oven kind of environment. And this is another thing that Barry, you know, very correctly points out, is do not allow anybody with a cell phone to operate that cell phone inside of a car. And that means put it in flight mode. Because, you know, the, the phone is still going to, you know, attend, even though it's off, it, it's still going to attempt occasionally to look at the environment and see what signals, it, it, uh, where, where the base stations are. I'm not saying all phones do that, but but in general they can. Hmm. Well, that's pretty so, scary. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, well, that, oh yeah, yeah. Well, um, and then the other one of the other key facts that uh, people should be aware of uh, is to uh, you know always use the speakerphone. And if hmm. if you're in an environment where you well, first of all, let's say why the the, uh, the speakerphone. If you hold the phone two feet away from your head, then the power density of that phone on your head compared to putting it up to your ear is a factor of 100. So you're getting two orders of magnitude of reduction in the power density on your head. Now, obviously, uh, your hand is still, you know, still there, so you're going to radiate your hand. However, uh, I think that uh, we would all agree that protecting your eyes and brain and, uh, you know, your sense functions on your head is probably a little more important than worrying too much about your hand. 
Yeah. Mm. Well, along well, that lines, Larry, um, what do you think of the air tube headsets that they sell now to use with cell phones? Well, if if it's really a uh, just an air tube that is giving you the audio, that's that's just fine. Okay. That, that's all you all you're all you're getting. And now, if you're if you're you're doing a Bluetooth and you're putting that Bluetooth transmitter right up by your ear, then you've got the same problem. Mm-hmm. So, uh, keeping on this, uh, this theme of uh, cell phones, um, yeah. is it? Do you think that the um, do the cell phones companies know this? You know, there's a lot of controversy about it, you know, cell phones causing brain tumors and all this sort of thing. And uh, I, I'm, I'm just wondering if it's uh, if it's a situation where they're just kind of ignorant of it or if it's actually uh, th- there's more going on there. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, the, the cell phone companies are very well aware of the health effects. They have funded studies of their own that uh, they have not published or they have uh, quashed partway through. And there are some people, uh, uh, good scientists and stuff, that have lost their jobs uh, as a result of trying to publish uh, information that was negative on uh, on cell phones. Huh. So uh, they know, and if you look at your your uh, your your little uh, disclaimer that comes with your new cell phone, uh, you'll read that the company is is telling you that uh, you use the phone at your own risk, and that they are not liable for any health damage effects that you may receive from using that phone. Mm-hmm. So uh, most people ignore all that and just think it's uh, it's just fine because everybody else is doing it. Uh, and we know we know that kind of pathology uh, you know pretty well. Uh, but uh, the problem is is that uh, they're ke- they're keeping this kind of information uh, fairly well suppressed. And the reason mm-hmm. they can do that <clears throat> is just what we were talking about before. It's so difficult these days to point to an exact effect of these, and that's that's why that's why they're they're doing this on mice and things like that, and they're trying to extrapolate to humans and so on and so forth. But everybody is so polluted already in all these different forms of EMF that you cannot get a control group clean enough to give you a clear signal that you can you can base your your scientific uh, conclusion on. So you see where the problem is? You see why that... This is why we've been able to remain collectively in limbo on this issue. And yeah. it's, that's why it's so important for people to understand that, <clears throat> that you know, the, the information is out there. We do know it's harmful. All these forms of EMF are harmful. And, you know, you're, you everybody needs to do their best to lower their exposure, especially mm-hmm. for children. I have a question, Larry, um, kind of relating to what you're talking about with the base stations in the home. Um, What about microwave ovens? Like you were uh, sharing, you know, there's all this information that comes out and then it kind of goes back into the ether and then it's up again. What is the situation with microwave ovens? Are they safe to use or not? Uh, Well, a a well-sealed oven uh, that, that stays sealed you know, to the RF, it forces the RF to remain inside the cavity. Uh, you know, those those are uh, safe from the standpoint that, you know, if, as long as you don't stand right in front of it, uh, it, a safe way to deal with microwaves, if you're going to use them, is to, once you put the stuff in, you turn it on, walk away from it, and don't put your face right up next to it, 
because that is very high power radiation coming from there. It's not clean. Uh, it is mostly CW, but there's noise on that too. And uh, the, it's the higher frequency noise components and the degree of the power is coming at you that will cause the, the exposure problem. So if you do insist on using a microwave, <clears throat> I would really uh, use it you know, gingerly in terms of uh, stepping away from it. And then uh, I, I have heard the stories of people testing a microwave by uh, putting their cell phone in there inside, close the door, and see if you can call it. And if it rings, don't use the microwave. <laughs> oh, God. Very interesting. <laughs> Larry, you had uh, you had mentioned uh, drawn a comparison um, to a microwave to using a, a cell phone inside of a car, like you're in that cavity, so it's reflecting those signals back at you. I was curious, what's your opinion on electric vehicles? Um, I had heard somebody mention once in the past um, that uh, you know, driving an electric car was along the similar lines that it's generating this this dirty electrical signal, and you're in this sealed cavity, so you're receiving that that dirty exposure. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, that's why I would stay away from uh, from any of the electric cars. And uh, we know this. <clears throat> we actually know the the effects of this are negative because there, the, there are certain people who have developed electrosensitivity. They are uh, very sensitive to all sources of EMF, every single one we've talked about. And they have to be, these people have got to be very careful about their environment because if they're exposed for any length of time, they actually end up having to recover for several days in a very clean environment. Now, these people have taken rides in these, these uh, electric cars and they have had very bad reactions to uh, being in them. And the reason is, is because these cars are running off uh, DC power and batteries. And these batteries are generating high amounts of current in order to make to, to produce the drive uh, for the for the car. And this mm -hmm. this current is producing very high magnetic fields. And again, there's there's noise that occurs on these lines. And it's that noise that's coming in at the, uh, <clears throat> the that's actually imposed on the magnetic fields that these electrosensitive people cannot stand. And uh, mm -hmm. and so. Even though you or I might be able to get in there and into one of these cars and take a joy ride and have lots of fun and stuff like that and not have a problem with it, uh, eventually all you're doing is adding to your exposure. And we know that, that EMF exposure is cumulative. It's just like radiation. The more you get, the more you have to offset that to a lower average level by being in a very quiet environment. If your environment is dirty EMF all the time, you're just simply asking for a case of developing chronic disease. Hmm. Okay? So that's why it's so important for people to take the, you know, the small amount of time to gauge your environment, do the simple things you can do, turn the Wi-Fi off, throw the, the, uh, the uh, uh, cordless phone in the trash, uh, get yourself, you know, cabled up so you don't have any Wi-Fi. Check out where the cell towers are. Measure your home grid noise and then filter it. Uh, There's the, filters available in meters at two different places. Uh, Stetserizer, uh, David Stetzer uh, produces the Stetserizer filter. 
and there's uh, the Greenway people. Uh, you can look these up on the Internet. They produce their own meter and a series of filters that, in my opinion, are, are a little better. So <clears throat> they're not expensive, and uh, chances are you'll find out that it doesn't take a whole lot of uh, 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 filters to get your, your levels down, even from very high input grid level noise. You see, some of your noise in the grid, if I can just, you know, diverge here just a little bit, uh, some of your noise in the grid, Nellum <clears throat> uh, believes that the noise on the grid, uh, many of it for many, many people that are affected, are due, due to the vicinity of a cell tower. And it has nothing to do with the signals on the cell tower. It has to do with the electronics that drive the cell phone system. And they have this huge, hundreds of pounds of electronic equipment that required DC power. Well, to get DC power from the grid, you have to chop up the AC signal, filter it, and then provide DC to all these electronics. Well, that causes a tremendous amount of noise on the local grid around that cell tower. So if you have a neighborhood around that cell tower and they're on the same substation grid, they're all going to see that noise that the cell tower or the cell phone electronics induced on the grid. They're going to see it at the sockets in their home. And this is the dangerous part of one of the dangerous parts of EMF. So ironically, in this case, it's not the cell phone Wi-Fi type uh, radiation that's causing the problem. It's the electronics that is, that are driving that. You mm -hmm. see, you see the iron there. Yeah. yeah. Larry, along those lines, um, you mentioned noise. Can you describe what noise is, and then, like, to piggyback onto that, can you go into what is the difference between clean power and dirty power? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> The, uh, the the noise that <clears throat> ends up going back onto the the grid on the the nice clean 60 hertz that uh, we all think is is uh, is behind our sockets. Uh, mm -hmm. That that noise can come from a lot of different places. Um, it could be here. Here's one weird one. Uh, you can actually get high frequency noise on that because your your wiring in your house looks like a very large antenna. And so you could be getting a very low frequency of, you know, of signals, uh, the uh, EM signals that are in the environment, they're coupling to your uh, wiring. And that appears at the, you know, all throughout your entire wiring. And it'll look like high frequency noise. Mm -hmm. right? it's, it's way up there in frequency. And then, like, remember, like I said before, if that couples to your body, then the high frequency components of that uh, penetrate your skin. And this is where the effect on the metabolic functions in the body is, is occurring. If it were just pure 50, 60 hertz, okay, think about that motor that is spinning at its power company, okay? They're, they're burning coal, they're generating steam, the steam drives the motor, the motor turns around, and that's what's actually at that nice speed is producing this perfect sine wave at 50 hertz or 60 hertz, depending on where you're at. Well, that is what goes out of the power plant. But then, once you once you once you're into the environment with that, and people are using that power, the machinery that they have hooked to the grid couples 
high-frequency noise back onto that 50 or 60 hertz. And that noise now is on the grid circuit, and it appears at your home. So that's why it's important to measure this noise level. The meters that I'm talking about don't measure the 50, 60 hertz. What they measure is the noise that is above about 2.5 kilohertz. And that's the noise at that level, at that frequency, about 2.5 kilohertz, is the stuff that will penetrate your skin. All right? So we're only trying to measure with a meter what's dangerous, not all the rest of it. So that is one example of the noise. Now, when it comes to Wi-Fi signals, if you were to look at it, a Wi-Fi signal on a scope, it would just look like noise. It's just a bunch of pulse you know, signal that is uh, pulsing up and down. It's just a, a, a very messy, high-bandwidth signal. So uh, you can refer to that as noise, too. So it's, that's why I said noise, you know, at the, uh, it's carried via EMF. Noise is the stuff that is killing us. Mm-hmm. That is the part. I don't care which method of EMF exposure you want to refer to. It's the high-frequency noise that's in that source that is causing the health issues. Well, Larry, does it make any difference if you live above a tower? Like, say you have, you're have you living in a high-rise building and there's a cell phone tower sticking off to the side. If you live up top on the building, above the tower, or if you live above power lines, does that make any difference? Like, does all that EMF go downwards, or does it just disperse willy-nilly throughout the atmosphere? No, in both cases, uh, you know, you'd be in trouble. It's, it's just, a, it's just a, in the case of the cell tower, uh, you need to get out of the line of sight of the main beam. Okay? Mm-hmm. A cell tower, is, what they've got is, is a, a series of vertical antennas, and if you look at them closely, you'll see, you know, these kind of long bars. Okay. You, everybody's probably seen these things, but you didn't recognize them. But they're they're uh, they're long and thin, and then there's usually a number of those that are pointed off in different directions. Mm-hmm. So long that long that long dimension is what narrows the beam in the elevation plane. And what they're doing is they phase those elements so that they can get the beam to point where they want, and they generally try to get them to point out to the horizon. Uh, there's been many cases where people have put these, uh, you know, some, some, you know, I would say incompetent people have put these things in neighborhoods, and they haven't adjusted the beams to to uh, properly, you know, not hit the the homes in the local area, mm-hmm. and so they're they're spraying main beam energy from these cell phone towers right into the neighborhood. And these, and we have many cases where people have gotten sick and had to move, sell their house because they, they could get no relief from these, these uh, ridiculous cell phone towers. Hmm. Larry, I have a question related to that. Which are the typical symptoms of people who are very sensitive? Is there something that distinguishes them, or it could be any symptom? Well, it could be a wide range, but, uh, but uh, one thing you'll, you'll, you'll see very, very common is uh, headache, uh, dizziness, loss of energy, <clears throat> And you'll also see, uh, in many cases, of prolonged uh, uh, stuff, you'll see depression. So, you know, a lot of these people that, you know, are, are in bad 
uh, depressive states as a result of chronic exposure uh, end up being given a bunch of, you know, psychotropic uh, drugs to deal with uh, brain imbalances, and that's not the, the problem in the first place. Uh, it may develop into one uh, with chronic exposure, but uh, these people are perfectly fine if they just were to get out of the environment. Um, and it's it's a there are, there are many doctors that specialize in treating uh, EMF sensitive people, and they, they of course do it with uh, with diet, with supplementation, with detox, and also with uh, EMF surveys of the environment they live in. And if they have to, they move them, they get them out of the environment. If they're going to sell a house or abandon the house, they do it because, you know, their life is miserable. Uh, you know, it's all the, I would say it's all the same kind of characteristics that you would see in, in uh, you know, toxic uh, exposure of various kinds of, uh, to poisons and pesticides and so on. Um you know, it's the same range, Debbie, that you would you would see uh, um, <clears throat> for for any of these these uh, deep metabolic issues. Hmm. So uh, I, I think that you know there there is um, yeah, I, I I prefer to to help people self-diagnose because going to their GP. You know, their 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 uh, regular doctor is not going to help them with anything like this, and so mm-hmm. I recommend that people do their own surveys, evaluate your environment, and if you won't do it for yourself, do it for your children, because mm-hmm. you know that the biggest impact is going to be on growing children up through adolescence. So Larry, I just wanted to clarify. Them. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, that's all right. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask for just a, just a bit of clarification on Tiffany's question. So is it that dirty power is is um, when there's noise on the line, whereas versus uh, clean power is when um, there isn't any noise present? Yes, yes. So uh, um, <clears throat> if you had a uh, pure 50, 60 hertz signal, uh, and that was your power line, uh, there would really probably be very little in the way of, of uh, health issues with that. Um, I'm, I'm kind of of the opinion of um, uh, Professor Henshaw uh, at the University of Bristol and some other physics uh, people, physicists, uh, that if you were to deal with the pure electric magnetic fields associated with, uh, I don't care if it's high power or not, um, uh, power lines, and that was all that was on them, then you probably wouldn't see much health effect at all. Mm. As soon so would there be a way? Noise, again? I was just going to say, is there is would there be a way for uh, you know us to have um, power in the same way that we're we're kind of used to without noise? Like, is there are there steps that could be taken kind of on an industrial level that would would uh, decrease the noise? Yes, you're right. Absolutely. Uh, you, you know, if, if people would recognize the, uh, the problem as, as a, a health issue, the power companies could very easily at each substation get that, get that noise as low as possible. And then you could, you could mm-hmm. continue to run, you could, uh, you know, continue to run a lot of the different power kind of stuff, uh, that's very noisy machinery. For example, let's, let's just say that you live, 
uh, you're away from a cell phone tower, so you don't have that problem. But down the road, there is a machine shop. And mm. every morning at 7, they fire up the machines, and you've got all kinds of people uh, you know, that are uh, uh, generating uh, tremendous amounts of noise inside this factory, and uh, they're putting it back on the grid. So if that if that happens, you know you don't, you have no you know, no control over that. All right, you could it could be that from 7 a.m. till 5 p.m. you're having a tremendous amount of noise. Can, mm. can, can you excuse me for just a second? I've got someone banging on the door here. <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, this is a pretty fascinating topic of conversation. Yeah. yeah, I'd say. Yeah. It makes me want to go out and buy several hundred filters. <laughs> yeah. yeah, seriously. Makes me want to move my home plane. in a Faraday cage. Yes. <laughs> well, speaking of like tinfoil hats. hats. Go ahead, sir. I've read about yeah, tinfoil like hats and... Uh, how they have little microscopic holes in them, so they're good as a joke, but maybe in reality they don't work as well as people would hope they would. <laughs> yeah. It makes me realize also that hospitals should be so noisy, you know, it should be healing places, and wow, mm -hmm. it should be like the oh, least yeah. ideal place. Sure. I mean, how many hospitals have Wi-Fi throughout them? Yeah. All of them. Universities, schools. Yeah, schools, definitely. Yep. Kids are being exposed to this constantly. And also, they have that. Dirty. I, I had an Amish neighbor uh, banging on my door. Uh, he's uh, he's delivering me some wood, so I, I had to uh, step away for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Great. That's clean power. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mary, we have a sir, we have a question from the chat, you know. Um, do you know anything about protective possible protective properties of silk? Or is it anecdotal or uh protective properties of, of what? Silk. Oh silk. Well, uh, no, I, I don't. I don't really have any experience with that, but uh, I could say for sure that uh, uh, that you know, as far as the uh, as far as uh, RF goes, uh, in like in an antenna range or whatever, it's not going to have any effect. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's not going to act like a piece of tin foil. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Well, maybe that's a good segue into um, what kind of protective things are actually out there. I know there's a lot of, uh, of things being sold like uh, Shungite and, and little uh, chips that you put on your phone and all these other sorts of things that are supposed to help clean up the EMF environment. Um, do you have any comments on that? Well, for, for, for almost all the, the stuff out there, um, you know, cleaning up the, uh, for example, the cleaning up the the uh, wireless environment is, you know, you're you're not going to do that in any other way than if you turn that stuff off. If you get, uh, if you're talking about cell phones, stay out of the the way of cell phones. Don't use them in the car. Um, these 
these different devices that are supposed to, uh, you know, suddenly nullify the radiation uh, towards you uh, <clears throat> or nullify the radiation in general, if they actually worked, your cell phone would not work. Mm. You know, there, there's no there's no physical uh, in, in explanation uh, that I, I could give you um, or out of my imagination that would explain that you, you, your cell phone will work, but if you put this little dot on it, uh, it protects you. Mm-hmm. That is silly. Yeah. Uh, now, now there are things. There are things like the Q Link that have got studies behind them that show that they do indeed have some kind of an effect on the bio field and mm-hmm. are uh, protective of <clears throat> of uh, you know certain kinds of uh, radiation. Uh, uh, to me, the protection would go beyond uh, radiation and would have, uh, you know, an enhancing effect on your overall metabolism by giving you some kind of protection through through the uh, biofield. Uh, Larry, now, what's a Q-Link? The I Q-Link? have one. What is it? Yeah. Can the Q-Link is actually uh, it's made with it's made with seventy five feet of gold wire that is hooked to uh, a crystal network that uh, resonates at, you know, body uh, body and uh, human resonances. Mm-hmm. So these are the frequencies that I, I started off talking about. They're, they're resonant frequencies that actually uh, are associated with our EEG. That's our brain waves. Mm-hmm. So somehow, and I can't explain how, uh, except to say that the measured data seems to be fairly clear that you know it does have a, uh, a good effect. I'll, get, I'll tell you what the what the, some of the data actually looks like. Um, if uh, they did some tests uh, where where they look at, at dark field blood analysis, and so what they're doing is they're they're actually looking at the uh, blood clumping uh, of the red blood cells. And uh, there's various reasons why this happens, but one of them is a uh, hair dryer. So we take a hair dryer and put this in your lap for, you know, a few minutes. And, uh, you know, the things are, are uh, very noisy. They're, uh, uh, they, they put a lot of noise on the grid, but uh, they're, they're kind of a, an EMF nightmare uh, hmm. and because they run, they run a lot of current. So uh, these things are not good. Uh, luckily, we only use them for a short period of time, so you know it's not a big deal. But uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use one of those anyway. It's, it's, a, it's such a noisy mess. Anyway, people that are given this in this study, okay, they sit there with, the, with this thing on their lap or whatever for a certain amount of time. They take the blood, and they show that before the blood cells were all nice and clean, you know, and separated, there was no clumping. And then afterwards, they've got this clumping going on. Okay, this is a mm. short-term effect of just having this this, uh, this stupid thing on. And mm. uh, and then they do the same test with a, a Q-Link. And a Q-Link, mm. uh, for whatever reason, uh, uh, statistically, actually protected people and had uh, far less uh, cases of uh, blood cell clumping. Mm. So... Well, I can't explain it, uh, but this is a case of a device that I believe does have a positive, a positive effect. Uh, it does have a resonance effect. It is a real device with 75 feet of gold wire and uh, crystal oscillators. 
So uh, that much I know is real, and it's uh, and it's tuned for the frequencies that are associated with our EEG and the Schumann resonances of the Earth. That's fascinating. That's all I, can say. I have a I have a comment about that because I have one, and now I especially wear it when I have to stay overnight at the hospital where I work. I do seem to feel more restful or more peaceful. If that makes any sense. Sometimes mm -hmm. I feel that it's a placebo effect, but I think there might be something to the research mm -hmm. you just quoted. So, yeah, I think that's amazing. Yes, and in yeah. fact, uh, I would I would wear mine whenever I went traveling on business because, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you're always in a Wi-Fi environment, uh, you know, Wi-Fi all over the plane. I mean, geez, you get in a plane and you got, you know, half the people have got their heads in their cell phones You know, and you're inside of a large microwave oven. Um, you know that that's a nightmare environment for a while. Yeah, yeah. Larry, we had talked in a previous show a little bit about earthing, and just the idea of grounding out your body uh, to the ground so that you can disperse any electrical energy that has built up uh, within the body. Um, and uh, when we were preparing for this show. Uh, Tiffany mentioned that you had some comments on earthing and like there's uh, there's good places to do it and bad places to do it. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Um, the the uh, the the bad part of earthing in the home, especially in bed, is that if you do have high grid noise. Remember, I said before the grid noise that is at the socket and uh, is coming through the electric field from your wiring in your home, uh, mm -hmm. that capacitively couples to your body. And that capacitive coupling depends on a number of things, but one of them is your relationship to ground. So remember, all these fields are, are out there and they're looking for a path to ground. Now, if you have got an environment where that electric field is out there on, you know, in the wall, let's say, for example, and you're sleeping next to the wall and you're also grounding yourself, you're basically giving it an invite to get to ground via your body. Sure. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it, so ultimately you, you get a... Are you saying you would want to do this away from Wi-Fi networks, away from populated areas, if you were actually going to ground yourself on the earth, try not to use a device in your bed in a Wi-Fi network? Do you think it would be better to just basically go for a walk in the woods and put your bare feet on the ground there? I, I think it would be safer unless, unless you know how to characterize your environment with the right tools, the right meters, and or get some, somebody to help you. Uh, characterize it so but you you pick a place that is extremely quiet EMF wise so but you are not you know providing a place for that to go to ground sure so you're essentially acting like a lightning rod in a way that's right and then the then the other issue I have with that that Doug and I have talked about uh, is that you know if you if you're not sure about the wiring in your home And by the way, uh, Carl Riley, who wrote the book on tracing EMFs and building wiring, claims that every single home, apartment, or whatever has gotten at least one wiring error. It's very common. 
I mean, they're, they're human errors. That's all they are. But they can be devastating to your health. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you if you're not sure about what is actually on your ground, for example, let's say you've you've got ground cross ground neutrals uh, somewhere forward of the panel box in the home somewhere. This is very common. This results in net current on your wires, a high magnetic field, and uh, and if you have noise on that. You're hooking your grounding pad directly into the ground of the socket. At least many of them do that. And sure. if you do that, you may introduce a lot more possible problems that uh, you know that you're not aware of. And uh, in fact, um, the Greenway people, I talked with them on the phone, and they, at one point they were selling these grounding kits where you uh, you actually do. Uh, lay on the bed, you put this grounding pad down, and you plug it in to the ground part of the socket. And uh, it's got a plug with just the ground plug that goes into it. And uh, and I was discussing it with the uh, owner of the company and saying, you know, this is, this is not a good idea for all these breeds that we're talking about now. And uh, he agreed, and he said he had been trying to get the manufacturer to put a warning uh, that, you know, you you check out your wiring before you do this. And the mm. manufacturer refused to do that, and um, I don't believe he's carrying that uh, product anymore. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, Larry, if, if, if you um, are kind of making yourself into a lightning rod and, like, kind of attracting all this noise um, because you are um, a quick path to ground, is it worthwhile to have maybe something in the room that is grounded, um, so it will kind of attract all of this uh, this kind of latent EMF exposure and, and kind of keep it away from you? Yes, good point, because uh, when it comes to capacitive coupling, uh, you definitely want to, uh, for example, uh, you know, big things in your kitchen like the stove and the, and the refrigerator, big pieces of metal uh, tend to be, you know, looking much more like ground to these kinds of fields, and, you, and you'll end up... Uh, 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 collecting, uh, you know, the attraction, uh, you know, to uh, or any current going through the air and the ions in the air will land uh, over on those large pieces of metal. But what mm-hmm. what I recommend most that people do is make sure that you do not sleep with your head next to a socket. Mm-hmm. So check where your bed is, and if it's against the wall and your head's up there, do not get your head near a socket. And then also make sure that you don't have any clocks, electronic equipment, cell phones, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, make sure that your your sleeping environment is clean as you, as you can possibly get it. Don't mm. and, and and don't do not sleep next to you know a uh, a cordless phone. You mm. know the base station yeah. or the handset. All right. Uh, in fact, you know the first thing everybody should do is take those and throw them out in the trash. Or take it to your recycling bin or whatever you want to do, but get it out of the house. Unplug it, put it away. You know, don't even give it to somebody. It's, it's you're just giving them, uh, you know, a, a bad thing. What's the safe so, distance uh, for your head to be from a socket? Well, the best best way to uh, uh, to assess that is with a uh, uh, electric field meter. Uh, mm. But I can say that. You know, the, <clears throat> you should get uh, as far away as you can. But, uh, mm. you know, certainly a good two feet away should be plenty. Mm. Because, uh, you know, you can, 
You can get it's a long ways away. Uh, say 0.6 volts per meter, you know, on the electric field, if you just get one of those uh, electric field meters, uh, the ones you can uh, get on uh, Amazon or whatever, that it's the one, one of them is the uh, tri-field meter. That's a good mm-hmm. one because it, it does uh, two scales of magnetic field. It will allow you to find any kind of errors in wiring in your home. And if you do have an error, you can call the electrician out and say, look, here's my meter. It shows, you know, we've got net current here in the wall. I need you to figure out what is not hooked up right and fix it. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, I, you know... Oh, along those lines, I, I see in our notes uh, that we were discussing RF meters that are capable of measuring wideband. Um you measured. You just mentioned this one. Is there are there other specific brands that people should look for uh, specifically to measure wideband, or can you just search for wideband RF meter? Well, uh, uh, the best thing to do for the RF meters, especially if you're trying to measure for uh, cell phones, Wi-Fi's, any kind of uh, you know other military communications, or if somebody has their communications dish pointing uh, pointing at your apartment or wherever it may be, um, the best thing there is to rent the uh, the equipment because the RF uh, meters that will do this kind of a job are basically spectrum analyzers and these are these are very expensive lab gear stuff. So mm-hmm. I don't think anybody's in the class of wanting to buy one just to do some testing in the home. Uh, but you can you can rent these you know from various different uh, organizations that offer these uh, services, and then uh, so for you could you could uh, rent it for you know a period of a week, and uh, give yourself plenty of time to uh, measure your own environment. You know, make sure that you understand what the what the the uh, ambient cell phone stuff is, any Wi-Fi uh, from your neighbors, you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, you can do it for, I recommend that people do get together and do this, um, you know, and share up a cost. And so that, you know, you can, you can run uh, over to the neighbors or your family or whatever, and you can, you can test a whole bunch of homes out at the same time, and you're going to know what the, uh, what the RF environment is. Then you can do the same thing with the uh, Stetzer meter and the Greenways meter for the home grid. So uh, one one uh, one person can buy the meter and share the cost with you know all the other families that would ever want to use it in the future, and uh, mm-hmm. that way uh, there's a meter always circling around, so uh, so everybody can always test and retest and stuff like that, and put their use the meter to get the filters in, so that you get the uh, the overall uh, noise on the home grid down as low as you can. Mm-hmm. I had a quick follow-up then, uh, question to uh, oh, yeah. when we were talking about the um, the ground. Doug asked, you know, if we could, if you could essentially put another ground in your room, some sort of a, a metal object or something. And you mentioned that stoves, um, maybe refrigerators, things like that, kind of act like um, you know this these sort of antennas. This may sound kind of silly, but if I were to essentially uh, tightly coil uh, copper, you know, around a cylinder and make a little aesthetically pleasing copper coil, put that in the corner of my room and then plug it to ground, would that be any more effective than, say, my stove is, or is that essentially the same kind of thing? 
Well, it's it's uh, it's it's probably not going to be all that much more effective, but you know you okay. can you can do it. you can do various experiments and see what uh, you know if you have the the electric field meter, uh, you can see what kinds of things will help. Um, okay. You know, chances are just just a, a long sheet of aluminum foil, uh, you know, against uh, you know one side of your bed might might actually uh, do a whole lot better than than uh, something like what you're talking about. Okay. Interesting. Larry, while, really you were at your, Go while, ahead. You at, while you were at your door, I uh, mentioned something I had read about aluminum foil having a lot of microscopic holes in it, so they might not be as protective as people think, but I'm not sure about that. So uh, have you read anything about that, and what are your thoughts on it? Well, no. From a, from a physical standpoint, <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. whether what it, you can punch holes in it, and uh, you know it'll work just fine. Uh, you know, it's 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 not an issue with uh, with with the holes until you get to such a high frequency that the holes are on the order of a uh, of wavelength. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, uh, the fact that it has some some holes wouldn't make any difference at all for the applications we're talking about at the frequencies that we are. Great, Larry. You uh, sent a, or you had a, in, in the document that you sent us, you had a link to um, a website that had a bunch of different materials that you could use um, as shielding. Um, do you have any comments on that? Uh, yeah, you mean uh, there's there's uh, there's there's quite a few companies out there that um, hmm. that make uh, make the uh, Kind of fabric, the various different kinds of fabrics that are actually, uh, you know, they're they're metal weaves, and uh, with the metal metal fibers or or even uh, you know complete metal surfaces, and these can be used, uh, for example, to uh, some people that are very sensitive are able to uh, make a, a canopy that, that goes over the entire bed, and then they're able to continue that electrically underneath the bed. And they end up mm. with, you know, basically sleeping in a Faraday cage. Mm. And that's very effective for almost all RF. I mean, you know, the the uh, the the attenuation you get from the environmental uh, uh, EMF, uh, the RF um, and microwaves are to use various terminology, but the RF in general is many orders of magnitude. So if you're starting off with something, you know, very high. Uh, once you climb into bed and close that thing, uh, you're uh, you're extremely quiet. So that, that there are some people that have to go to those extremes. This these kinds of fabrics can be very expensive. So to build a canopy, mm-hmm. it's something you wouldn't do unless unless you knew you were very sensitive and you could not move out of the environment. Sure. Right. What's and I have seen a, a video on YouTube when when they were using. Um, just the kind of screen that you find on like screen doors or on on windows, um, that kind of screening is actually really good at at blocking uh, RF frequency. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, you don't need much. I mean, uh, you can have holes all over the place. Um, you know, as long as the holes are fairly small. Mm. And uh, if you let's say you you would go up in frequency to the point where the wavelength is, uh, let's say you go up to 300 gigahertz. Okay, where the wavelength is a tiny fraction of an inch. Well, you're going to start to see that it come through there now. 
because uh, the wavelength is small that the hole actually looks big. Right. Sure. So, so the, the functionality... This, is, this, is, the, this uh, is where you get in some of these weapon systems, you know, where... Uh, you know, the, uh, they'll, they'll use a very high-frequency uh, microwaves, and they'll hit, hit a crowd with those. And what, you, what, the, what the people in the crowd feel is basically the cooking of their skin. Yeah. Um, so oh. so what, you, what you get is you get, you get people that, that get a very bad burning sensation as a result of this very high-frequency microwave. And uh, there didn't have to be any bandwidth with this one. Now, this is just like cooking the people in a microwave oven. And uh, you, you hit them with uh, enough of that power, and you, you get dispersing, you know, people running uh, in a hurry. Now, you get into the, the weaponized side of this stuff, and you get into tor- torture techniques. And, yes, microwave radiation plays a big role. You've got the, uh, the voice-to-skull stuff, and then mm. there's many cases. There are so many I've read about where these these poor people that have been uh, you know you read about them and and, uh, and usually in the context of them being crazy and this is where tinfoil hat came from and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But there there are cases where people have been uh, uh, experimented on and actually uh, on prisoners uh, where they have used these microwave weapon systems and and they're really torture systems. Uh, to uh, to basically make them go uh, bonkers from the standpoint of inducing uh, voices in the head. They they uh, they use wideband RF as well to induce metabolic uh, dysfunction. They induce depression. They induce cancer. And these are mm-hmm. these are weaponized versions of the stuff that we're living around uh, all ourselves in the environment. Only they're they're actually uh, you know much higher power. They're directed, and uh, there's uh, many cases you can read about where you know some of these people uh, you know they've been driven nearly crazy mentally with it, and then uh, physically they're they're destroyed. This this stuff can induce diabetes. It can induce mm-hmm. cancer. You know you don't need to eat sugar for a case of diabetes. You know it's quite possible to induce it with microwaves. Jeez. So yeah, the, the, that that gets into you know out of our subject area as far as the general health picture goes. But realize that 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 kind of stuff is out there, and uh, you know certainly has been used on people, and probably continues to be. Uh, to there was a case of a, a poor guy in Bhutan. Um, you know the uh, he got crossways with the uh, with the king uh, emperor of Bhutan. And uh, was in bed with CIA, and and uh, that's he turned out to be you know a guinea pig for a lot of this stuff uh, over years of imprisonment. And his story is he wrote a book about it, and uh, you can read it. You know, it's it's uh, one of the sadder stories that uh, you could imagine in human existence. Well, she is. So, point being, if you're at some sort of a. Sorry, go ahead, Larry. Uh, well, I was going to say there's there's no doubt that you know the, these uh, that the EMF uh, environment stuff is is the is the one of the core reasons for a whole lot of chronic disease. Um, 
but you know it's also being used at high power levels to uh, to induce you know these uh, weapon system uh, weapon system and torture effects. And uh, sure. you know uh, the uh, the fact it's being used at the torture level uh, should certainly indicate to you that. Uh, the chronic exposure, uh, you know, will do the same thing over a long period of time. Hmm. Certainly. But I think we can see that the, the based on what, I mean, you gave a figure earlier in the show of the last 130 years since we've began, you know, developing these technologies that have um, ambient radiation, electronic frequencies. Um, but it seems like it, it must be exponential. Now that we've gone from 2G to 4G just in the last few years, and um, you know there's cell phone towers popping up everywhere. It was just, geez, not even six or seven years ago that we didn't have any cell phone towers where I live, and now there are three. You know, and they're just popping up all over the place. Yeah, you're right, Jonathan. I mean, you know, it, it's uh, it gets worse and worse, and uh, just based on the evidence that we truly have now. Uh, we're heading down a path of, it's just like everything else. It it's all seems to be heading down a path of uh, complete destruction. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, we're, we're at a time here where let's, uh, let's take a little break and go to Zoya's pet health segment. And uh, we'll come back after that and uh, finish uh, the show with some follow-up questions. So, um, just give us a few minutes here, and uh, here is Zoya with this week's Pet Health segment. Hello, and welcome to the Pet Health segment of the Health and Wellness Show. This time we are going to talk about EMF exposure and how it damages the health and well-being of our pets. As was already mentioned on the show, Despite the seemingly many wonderful conveniences of electrical technology, the effects of EMF on biological tissue appear to be rather detrimental. For example, iron, necessary for healthy blood and stored in the brain, is highly affected by EMF. The uh, permeability of the cell membrane of our nerves, blood vessels, skin, and other organs is affected. The intricate DNA of the chromosomes has been shown to be affected by EMFs as well. And since our pets have similar physiology to ours, there is no doubt that they are being affected as well, perhaps even more so, since some of their senses are much more developed than ours. Take migrating songbirds, for example, like robins. Researchers in Germany have documented that even modest amounts of electromagnetic noise produced by humans can disable the internal compass of birds. This is true even when the electromagnetic signal levels are just one uh, thousandth of the limit uh, the World Health Organization defines as harmless. But as part of the experiment, when robins were placed in orientation cages without screening a half mile to a mile outside city limits, their magnetic compasses uh, remained functional. To give another ex- historical example of how frequency particularly extremely low frequency, can be damaging. In the late 70s, there were widespread cattle deaths in Oregon. It was a period of Cold War, so not surprising that it was determined that the cattle had had been killed by adverse ELF uh, radio frequency transmissions from the Russians. But we don't know what could be the real reason. In any case, 
It seems that humans and animals are biocosmic transducers, a transmitter and receiver as well, and uh, that somehow our brain waves can lock on and modulate to the Earth's electromagnetic field, the universal magnetic field as Tesla called it. Research has shown that altering uh, these electromagnetic fields can influence the brain waves of cats and monkeys. Humans are also affected. Coming back to our time, German researchers Loschner and Kast found farm animals living close to a high-frequency antenna mast were badly harmed by radiation from the antennas. There is a lot of good research that shows how detrimental effects of electrosmog influence animals too. That the reported symptoms of electromagnetic hypersensitivity, uh, which include headache, fatigue, stress, sleep disturbances, skin symptoms like uh, prickling, burning sensations and rashes, uh, pain in muscles, and many other health problems may be observed in our pets as well. Common sources of electrosmog, which is the unseen electromagnetic radiation that is generated from the use of both wireless technology and household electricity, include utility smart meters, cell towers and antennas, cell phones, cordless phones, wireless internet routers, microwaves, high-voltage transmission lines, baby monitors, and other wireless devices, including Wi-Fi computers, monitors, laptops, tablets, reading devices, computer monitors, wild, uh, and wireless cell phone headsets, and other. And apparently, the effects of these weak electromagnetic fields are remarkable. So the reality of the situation is that even if you may feed your pet with species-appropriate diet, be responsible regarding excessive and unnecessary vaccination and medication, your dog or cat can still suffer from various problems, perhaps more of a chronic nature, simply because they are living in a heavily polluted area and, and their body tries to deal with the situation as best it, as best as it can. Who knows if this electrosmog doesn't contribute to the various behavioral problems in pets, too. Granted, our pets are much more sensitive when it comes to perceiving unseen fields and frequencies. The researcher Rupert Sheldrake has done an extensive work on this topic of unexplained power of animals. In his book, Dogs That Know When Their Owners Are Coming Home, he talked about research into proposed telepathy between humans and animals, particularly dogs. Sheldrake suggests that such intraspecies telepathy is a real phenomenon and that so-called morphic fields are responsible for it. In the book he also talks about the sense of direction including animal migration and the homing of pigeons and about animal precognition including premonitions of earthquakes and tsunamis. Apparently Sheldrake uh, examined more than a thousand case histories of dogs and cats that seemed to anticipate their owner's return by waiting at the door or window, sometimes half an hour or more in advance. So it's pretty, pretty clear that animals may have body systems that are much more fine-tuned to various electromagnetic changes than us, at least on a conscious level. If so, can you imagine how they may feel uh, living in such a noisy environment? If anything, it's a testament to the high adaptability to any environment, if, even if highly poisonous. And can you imagine what kind of relief it would be both for animals and the owners if they were to move to an area that doesn't have such levels of electrosmog? Who knows if many health and behavior problems wouldn't disappear by themselves? 
And just to give you one last example of the technology that is a product of our thick electrosmog environment, let's talk about uh, a bit about e-collar or an underground fence. A pet fence or fenceless boundary is an electronic system designed to keep a pet or other domestic animal within a set of predefined boundaries without the use of physical barrier. A mild electronic shock is delivered by an electronic uh, caller if its warning sound is ignored. Although the proponents of a site various advantages to the system, any normal person can see that there is nothing good about the system comprised of an invisible and wireless fence and a shock collar on the beloved pet. The fact is that such collars not only can increase aggression in dogs, increase stress and reduce the quality of life, but also weaken the bond between the owner and the dog, not to mention the harmful effects of the wireless. Personally, I don't see anything good about it. Anyways, this is it for today. Hopefully this information was helpful, help, helpful for understanding the dangers of wireless both for us and our pets and how important it is to take steps to minimize the electrosmog in order to prevent its detrimental effects. Thank you for listening and goodbye. All right, thanks, Soya. Good tips there. We can see that uh, EMF exposure is just as harmful for our pets, but clearly, as it is for humans. They're the same biological makeup. Um, so it's very important to, to keep that in mind and uh, to either reduce the use of or not use these uh, electric collars, electric fences for your pets because they can have a similar effect on them. Um, so we're, we're kind of approaching the end of our, our show here. Larry, we just wanted to, to wrap up with some general questions. I wonder if you could um, take a few moments to summarize your, your most pertinent or important advice for people on how to reduce their exposure. A lot of people may not have the ability to move. Um, people we talked about, they can rent some of these devices to check, uh, to quantify, uh, you know, what's actually going on in the environment around them. What would you say is like the, the most important thing for people to do? Is it, uh, you know, get out, take a vacation once in a while, keep your cell phone away from your body, those kind of things? Yeah, um, the... Uh, <clears throat> Just, just to to, uh, to step back, just to where we were uh, on these uh, these devices. Uh, don't be don't be pulled into any devices that uh, uh, that <clears throat> won't give you a clear scientific study on the efficacy of their performance against EMF. If mm -hmm. these these websites and so on do not give you a scientific study uh, to for you to hold and read. Then do not buy that product because you know, you're you're falling prey to hype and uh, somebody trying to just uh, empty you of your money. Uh, but one of the most important things I think, <clears throat> uh, unfortunately, all these areas are are at the same level of importance: wireless, uh, EMF, uh, you know, the power lines and stuff like that, uh, EMF in general, but the uh, grid noise and so on that. I, I, th I think it's best if people uh, get together, and if a um, if you get some uh, some friends together who want to do the testing, then you can spread the cost out. You can get to either buy the meters or you can rent the meters, 
and then do some testing and, and uh, you know, over a period of a week or two, uh, test your environment in all these different areas. And then take your your uh, uh, your measures to reduce them. Filters, in the case of the grid stuff, they're about twenty five bucks a piece. Uh, most homes will take uh, you know about uh, five to six. Again, it depends on square feet and uh, number of of uh, electrical lines and so on and so forth. Um, you can measure your RF environment. There are some things we can do that we know you should do, and that is get rid of your Wi-Fi stuff. Go wired. You know, put the uh, put the Ethernet lines in, the cables. Use those. Uh, get that environment out of the house. Uh, you can't do anything about the neighbor, but um, you can measure. You know how bad it is, and if you feel like you need to do something about it, then uh, hell, get your neighbor on board. You know, and see if they'll uh, they'll do the same things you will. Uh, or uh, you know, there's a number of blocking uh, technologies that you can use that will just block the RF, send it out. You got, you got, we didn't talk about um, those uh, smart meters, but, you know, the, you can easily solve that problem if you have one or they put one in on you. you know, what you can do is, is, uh, is, is block that meter, you know, RF, uh, you know, either from the outside or the inside or both. Right? That, that doesn't cost very much money. You can, anybody can do that. Uh, there's uh, there's uh, quite a few things that, you know, if you just kind of go through and look at all these sources, and uh, make the appropriate measurements and then take the appropriate action to minimize this. And the importance, uh, I can't un underline it more, uh, you know, I, but the importance for children, you know, is, is uh, much, much higher than it is for adults. So it's mm -hmm. that growing, uh, growing body that needs to be, you know, as clean as possible in all three major areas that we've talked about. Um, and uh, the most you can do with all those diets, uh, you know, detox and uh, and EMF, uh, you know, all the better for the for the kids. So that, that pretty much sums it up in in a in a long sentence. Sure. <laughs> well, um, Doug, Erica, Tiffany, Gabby, do you guys have anything else to add? Oh, I think, no, I think we've uh, covered well. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Larry, I mean, really, really appreciate your time. Thank you for sharing your knowledge with us and uh, and coming on the show. It's awesome to have somebody who has uh, this actual scientific technical background doing this professionally for many years and is able to tell us, you know, that these these things are real, you know, and that uh, that it's a very valid concern for people to have. Oh yeah, well I, I appreciate the opportunity to get this stuff out there. Uh, you know, the, uh, mitigating a lot of this stuff is is really so easy. Uh, it's just a little bit of understanding of what the uh, sources are and what they can do to you. Sure. All right. Well, thanks again. I uh, really appreciate your time, and uh, thanks everybody for tuning in today and for people in the chat room. Um, and we will be back uh, next week, Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern with more interesting health topics. Thanks again. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Oh,